You are listening to a Commonwealth Bank of Australia Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. This podcast provides general market-related information and is not intended to be an investment research report. The information contained in this podcast is based on previously published material, and before listening, you're advised to read the full Global Economic and Markets Research Disclaimers, which can be found at combankresearch.com.au. Welcome to the Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. My name is Belinda Allen and I'm a Senior Economist here at ComBank and today I'm joined by our Agricultural Strategist, Tobin Gorey. Tobin, good to have you on. Good to talk to you again too, Belinda. It's come around again very quickly. <laughs> it has. These months just keep flying by. So for our regular listeners of our podcast, we have a quarterly chat to Tobin about what is happening in the agricultural space. And I find these chats really interesting because I can see the agricultural space has a lot of the same thematics we see in the broader economy. So uh, in today's podcast, we're going to be talking about supply and price issues, supply constraints, cost inflation, uh, Ukraine-Russia issues on the sector. So it is really interesting just to see how those broader macro thematics do impact on particular segments of the market. And Tobin, supply constraints and supply shortages has really impacted a number of sectors, both locally and globally. What is exactly happening in the agricultural space? A lot of the same things, uh, you know, generically speaking. It's a bit bit different because it's ag and ag's a bit different in a lot of ways. But at a certain level, what we're seeing is, you know, demand is grown substantially over time and the supply side of it now is just to the point where it's struggling to keep up. So we're pretty close to full capacity given current prices. Um, so you know, that, those themes you see there in the, in the broader macro world you're talking about, um, but there's, uh, yeah, there's a big draft demand going through uh, and so it's bumping up against capacity. So and that's ending up pushing up prices as well. So... Is it in any particular soft commodities that we're finding the supply shortages take place or is it just across the board? It's a, it, it is a bit different across across them. Uh, I, we had to take one that was probably uh, at least um, tired at the moment, probably sugar, mm. um, but that's always been a special commodity anyway. But you know, if you look at, look at the rest of them, look at the grains and oil feeds part of it, Supply there is pretty much tied across all those classes. The chance of us catching up quickly on that, or you know, getting in front of demand on that, uh, is, is, is not is not great. Dairy probably come in there second after that. Uh, it's kind of rapidly tightening, and you know, prices are moving up to quite high levels there. For the for the meat side of things, it's in Australia it's still very tight mm. uh, because we're still catching up with sort of herd rebuilding and flock rebuilding. But globally, it was never that tight. But what is happening there is, is the supply is tightening up. That's also in part because, you know, for you know, what is uh, pro, you know, good pro- prices for croppers is bad prices for people feeding livestock. And, that, and that's beginning to force up the price of um, finished cattle globally. So we're seeing, I guess, a, a loss of inventory comfort, if I can put it that way. What does it mean for prices going forward? Well, it's a big loss of inventory comfort. So if we go across all of them, you know, big grain, it's probably quite is doing well. It's back pretty close to the lows where it was, you know, late in the sort of 2008 period. Um, wheat's not quite there yet, but it, it can get there pretty quickly. And from the oil fleet side, like that, and and dairy and dairy's in the same place. So what happens at this, at this stage is that because 
those injuries are low, that comfort's low, as you say, uh, prices tend to start to respond faster. So everything will cut in supply, you get a, a, a bigger jump in prices, and they're beginning to accelerate. So um, we've seen prices now. So if you look at uh, look at the US dollar prices to start mm. with, they're all you know sort of high to very high mm. uh, in most of the sectors I mentioned. Um, beef globally is joining it. Um, beef here in Australia is already up there mm. because of the herd rebuild, but kind of a separate story. Then you translate those prices back into Australian dollars because of the Aussies quite low, you know, particularly where commodity prices broadly are, yeah, yeah. Um, that's having a premium to prices. So, you know, we're looking here at, at if you look at, like, I think in terms of percentiles, uh, most um, ag commodity prices are, you know, 90th percentile, thereabouts, uh, sugar aside. And the situation um, in Russia and the Ukraine, obviously that's impacting on markets globally uh, and obviously we're seeing it heightened in particular uh, commodity markets. We've obviously seen the oil price rise as a result. But what implications are on the agricultural space from uh, the invasion of the Ukraine by Russia? Well, the, the, the two of them, Russia and Ukraine, probably account for, uh, depending on when you ask, uh, 25%, 30% of uh, global cross-border trade in wheat. Mm. Um, so, you know, if, if, if that's not there, that's, that's going to have a big impact. So, and uh, that's, that's wheat's probably the biggest area of impact, but it also impacts feed grain. Ukraine is a pretty, very substantial exporter of, of feed grain, mainly corn. And then, and then on the oil side, so they're still significant, uh, but uh, it's just a, the impact there is smaller. Um, and so what we're seeing there now is just what we're worried about is that, that right now there's, there's no logistics out of mm. Ukraine. So everybody's shut their operations, nothing going, nothing's being loaded, nothing's arriving or leaving in port. No one go near Russia at the moment just because for fear of running afoul of sanctions mm. that we've already got or that might come in the future. Uh, so that's where we've been blocked off the market. So you've got everybody scrambling around to, to uh, find alternative physical sources of wheat because uh, there's a lot of people on the hook with contracts they would deliver them. Um, so they're looking, looking for alternative sources, and that's pushing prices up very, very quickly for prompt delivery. So, you know, in the next month or two yeah. months or so on. You know, and, and, and as a metric on that Chicago wheat the May contract, you know, prior to uh, the situation blowing up, you had, you know, say $7 Chicago wheat, May 22. Today it's traded ten dollars. So and and that's so that's a measure of it. It's quickly gone up by, you know, a third in that time. And that, that, that's a measure of that. Now wheat has the biggest impact. It's also having impact in feed grain as well. So, mm. you know, there, these are substantial losses. So the, these immediate impacts are there. They, they work themselves out in due course. The, the bigger issue is, you know, where does it go uh, by mid-year? Yes. Um, if the situation's still there, you're going to start to have trouble um, harvesting in. Ukraine, they won't be getting grown going to port, even if you get out of there, and and Russia will start harvesting as well. And at that, at that time, if, if no one wants to go in there and get the grain, then that, that's also a problem. So we've got you know, near-term prices are very, very high. The market is very nervous about that, so volatility in the market is very high. But we also have to think about this other issue going forward as well. The biggest concern for ag commodity markets from Russia's invasion of Ukraine the other is how long does this go on for? Mm. Uh, as I say, is, is, the, is the key question because you know, the longer it goes on, it'll start and interfere with planting for feed grain, 
and you know, as I say, mid-year, you'll suddenly feel the harvesting in Ukraine as well. It's also adding to price rises for oil and other energy prices, which does feed through into fertiliser prices, which has already been rising. We've already seen a, a big lift in cost inflation for the agriculture industry. So what are you seeing happening in terms of input cost pressures for agriculture as well as those prices being able to be passed on to consumers? Um, look, they're, they're rising rapidly. If we look at you know, broad in, 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 industries of input costs for agriculture in Australia, they've risen like 8.5% rates over the previous two years. Uh, and, that, and that, as you say, is, is feeding through. Um, what that means is, is that you know, the profitability of, of crops planted probably in the year ahead um, so, you know, planted sort of you know, late March and April um, is, well, the price is very, very high, so the revenue is a lot higher, but the actual profitability of that because the cost going in there mm. aren't there. Now that, that is, um, now that is a situation that's here in Australia. Um, it's also, it's the same everywhere too. Um, you know, most countries are facing very high input costs, typically from fertiliser, yeah. um, also just transport fuel and, and all the chemicals and things that are based on those in, inputs are rising as well. So, you know, so the, in getting back to our um, earlier point about the supply context is really what we need to see here is um, an expansion in capacity. Now that happens when prices, when profits are high. For profits to be high, prices need to go up quite a bit more than they are now just because that cost of inflation has crept up. So uh, there, there needs to be, um, so we are really at risk here of seeing quite a substantial uh, another leg up in 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 our commodity prices uh, because if we don't get it, uh, the, the supply will probably dwindle further, um, and that eventually will push prices up. But if you get it sooner, then then you get then you get some expansion as well. So we're really just seeing in a place here in ag where our view is still the skew is very much to high higher prices, partly because because of that capacity pressure coming through and the lack of profitability of expanding it. But if we have any significant weather problems in, you know, in major crop locations in, in 2022, uh, then uh, that is really going to tighten supply drastically and push prices up a lot more. So um, on the other side of that, what's the chance of going down? Well, I can go down some, obviously, but just the underlying supply context means that before I leave the market is not that far below where it is now. There's a lot more upside than it is downside. And turning attention to more local issues, Australia has had a huge winter crop. I mean, we just received GDP data out today and the farm sector has done incredibly well over the past 12 months, both from a production point of view, but also from an income point of view. Can you tell me a little bit about how Australia's winter crop is going? Yeah, essentially we're having record crops Mm. um, on pretty much every every way you measure it. So, And the thing about that is that we have... um, but in season 2020, which is uh, not, the, not the crop we're talking about now, but the previous one, was very large. Mm. Uh, and then we've had another good winter, you know, aided, aided by La Nina. Yeah. And for 2021, which is the current crop, which is the current crop, it is very, very large as well. So it's going to be um, the, the wheat crop will be a record by, you know, a couple of million tons. So it's like 36, 36 million tons. So it, it, it is very, very large. Now that's kind of it's good timing. Supply is tight in other places in the world. Yeah. We have kind of a bit of a bottle that you know, getting it out of Australia. Right. Um, you know, Australian Australian crops that we're talking wheat terms anyway is sort of like you know mid to high twenties. 
uh, over time through averages out to that's kind of considered a normal crop. But our infrastructure is is set up to be the ports mm. um, to uh, to get to be able to export a, you know, a crop that size. When you get it, when it's you know what what this year will be ten million tons larger than normal, um, it doesn't expand to fill that. It doesn't expand to you know allow more of that out quickly. So. Um, you know, there's, there's a little bit of frustration along the way getting it out because I think we'd like to be exporting it faster than we are, uh, but it's it, it's sort of holding it up, holding it up a bit. So, and what they've done a little bit is it means that, well, our prices are quite good. They, we, we talk about that, but they're they're probably further below global prices than they would normally be uh, by by this time of year because that slow moves to me. It's a complication. Yeah, that's a problem. But the bigger picture is that you know people have got a lot of production. They're getting paid pretty well. And even that, that the broader part for ag as well is that dairy is getting paid reasonably well also, uh, but they've got cost pressures as well. The livestock part of it is looking very good. Um, you know, typically the sheep side, we've made a lot of progress in rebuilding our flock. Way to go, but, but there, so people are profitable again. And on the cattle side, we're just starting to the turns of uh, the signs of a turn in the, in the herd as well. Pretty much all sectors are firing at the moment, which is contributing to that really, really big uh, ag income flow that you're seeing in the, in the macro state. So, Tobin, just turning our attention to more local factors, in particular in Australia, we've seen such strong um, cattle prices, particularly beef. What is going on there and I guess what's what's the chances of seeing some falls come through? So the first part of your question, why that out there to start with? It's definitely a herd rebuilding. Uh, quite a long period of uh, drought tipping through the northern parcel system in Australia. And, you know, there was almost a serious uh, in some places in the southern cattle system, cattle system as well. Um, and what that meant was that herds were run down. In particular, there were a lot of cows were got, gotten rid of. So effectively, your ability to produce more cows and, and uh, or calves anyway. And all throughout that time, because, because there was so little feed around the place, it was very, very expensive to feed the cattle, so the herd got run down very, very seriously, and its breeding capacity did as well. Uh, now, generally, that occurs for you know a year or two, and then it can recover afterwards. But because this was you know, effectively a four to five year problem, the you know, the, the the gouge into, into that into that breeding herd was very, very large. Um, so as a result of that, you, know, you get a rise in prices when when uh, when the, when the weather turns better. A couple of years of La Nina, plenty of rain in the northern system and you know, good rain through through the southern parts of the east of Australia at least. Uh, you know, people wanted to rebuild herd, herds again just because the carrying capacity of the land, uh, plus some cheaper feed costs from off the farm, um, encouraged people to do that. Now, what that's done is we've gone from a situation where uh, the biggest seller in the market uh, were pastoralists are now the biggest buyer. Um, which is a huge pendulum swing, and that has pushed prices up to levels that nobody imagined was 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 going to happen. So twelve twelve on the on the eastern young cattle indicator. Uh, the last peak was eight something, um, and so that is a really really big swing. It's phenomenal, and that's uh, you know people will uh, remember what the day, where they were the day they heard that. So the your question now is is that you know, it takes a long while to rebuild a herd. Probably in the year ahead, we get a small increase. In the beef cow herd, and that sort of adds to bit to breeding capacity. But just because of the relatively long, you know, biological cycle in cattle, yeah, it'll take quite quite a long while to to rebuild um, that herd. So 
um, you know, we're talking two years hence, uh, we might get back to those levels. So, and then it comes to your question about, well, when does it roll over those prices? Um, well, if we're talking purely about domestic factors about the herd rebuild, then it's probably, I guess, my guess is that we may have seen the peak price, but it won't fall much in the next year, maybe two. But after that, when you start to get traction of the herd rebuild, the price starts to come down more substantially. The caveat to that is that uh, global prices for uh, beef are rising. Um, so what that means is that while you might be taking away some degree of support to Australian prices from domestic factors, you're, you can, you're replacing it with a global price that's high as well. Uh, and, and, that can, and that can support prices. So the, the, we're probably not at the point where it needs to fall from domestic factors anyway, uh, but uh, prices have a different reason to stay at, at, at high levels. Perhaps not the peak we've seen, but they're still at very, very high levels. I think for now, um, those prices are going to stay high. You know, at some point, like um, high prices cure higher prices, but um, this herd reduction was a particularly bad illness. And so uh, the cure takes longer than otherwise would, which is why we're seeing such high prices and probably an extended period where they're elevated relative to history. It's a very good analogy given we're uh, two years into a pandemic about an illness. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> turning our attention just to dairy and we did have the first uh, March auction uh, for dairy and we saw another strong lift in prices. What's going on there? Yeah, another, another 5% lift in prices. Last few auctions have given rise of that across, you know, that's of average across all dairy products. It is kind of similar to several stories you're getting in agriculture. It's certainly the case in crops, but um, dairy had a major expansion, uh, sort of yeah, probably around from 2006 around to about 2010. Uh, then it sort of the capacity got a bit in front of where the demand was. So post 14. We saw prices fall quite substantially. They've recovered a fair bit since then, but over the last uh, six months to a year, uh, we've got to the point where that the the inventory that's there we can we can spot in in whole milk powder, which is kind of where the where the where the surplus ends up in the dairy market. Um, we can see the inventories of those getting really really thin, and 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 that started to push prices up. Um, so. Uh, you know, they're pretty high prices now, like the highest I've been in, in several years. That has fed through to farm gate milk prices uh, for season 21. Uh, but the, you know, the, the signs are good that maybe that, that, that price might end up going up a bit when we get the final prices. But also, it, 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 it foreshadows uh, good prices in, in, for 2022 as well. Uh, again, here, um, the market probably needs more dairy capacity. Um, it's not growing very much at all in any of the major dairy producers, um, aside from India, but that's kind of a segmented thing away from the rest of the global market. Uh, so again, we're in a position where you know, the market needs more capacity um, and it's just building the price level to pay for that, what's going on. Now that, it could happen quickly, um, but I doubt it will. Um, because again, we come back to the cost question here is certainly the price has gone up, so revenue is better, but the cost side of things uh, um, for dairy. Now, I've had, a, had irrigated dairy. That's been a major winner in the last couple of years as prices have fallen, but you know, for you know, just growing, if you're paying for feed off farm, it's going to get more expensive. If you're growing it on farm, if you're using fertilizer and things like that, that's also going to get more expensive as well. 
so, again, um, you see the price level, but that's only one side of the equation. Um, so, again, here, uh, you know, the risk is the skew of risk around prices is to substantially higher prices, and they can't fall very much because because uh, the supply is, is quite tight. So, again, the, 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 the skew is to the highest height in our view. Robin, it's just so fascinating just to hear how, I guess, these bigger thematics are really impacting the agricultural space. Uh, thanks for joining. And our listeners can read more about uh, the agricultural space in Tobin's quarterly agriculture publication, which was published on the 28th of February 2022 on combankresearch.com.au.